Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! How about the, the littles? Kiddos. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. She can't hear <laughs> No, she can't hear you. You're in my headphones, oh. but Megan says hi. She says hello. You should go see, you and Sarah both should go check out the, the video that I posted. And everyone's like, Sarah's the greatest, best beyond oh, oh, yeah, we did. We yes. we did. <laughs> I was, we were reveling in it and all the people commenting on how wonderful she is. Yes. Uh, I really, it's, uh, I love that video. It's so great. It is. Um, it's perfect. Well, let's great. talk about it. <laughs> let's do yeah. the show. Hello. Hello to all welcome welcome one and all it's time for the feeny call our new intro i think <laughs> that's how we're gonna do it every yeah, time now <laughs> I think. hey it, it mm. went well it rhymed it was good anyway so we're talking mm. about boy meets world in case you didn't know in a cute little fun episode about sean it's gonna be great it's gonna be great i remember distinctly this episode if you asked me, like, what are the Boy Meets World episodes that pop out to me the most, I would say this is probably top 10 Boy Meets World episodes. Really? Yeah. I think it's mostly just because this is the one with Eric in the TV station, and then it's also the one, the Dana Pruitt episode, which sticks uh, out uh-huh. in my brain because it's one, she's one of the three girls in the first Girlfriends Club that ties Sean up in the boathouse. So I think that's why it kind of sticks out to me more. And I remember the picnic distinctly and how they kind of talk about like what you, how Topanga reads him for filth, which like get it, drag him. Truly. Did we, that, that moment. I know it's truly, it's just wonderful. Well, let's do a recap. Who's on it? It's my turn. Hey, what we're talking about? This is season three, episode something. Oh yes, season three. The heart is a lonely hunter. Do you have any fun facts? For um, us? I do. So we have our third Buffy the Vampire Slayer cast member on here. It's the guy who plays Arthur. Arthur is the studio executive, correct? No, he's the snotty oh. kid who's. Oh, the yeah, asshole! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The asshole. which he is also Eric. in an episode of How I Met Your Mother. And he plays a little asshole in that too. And then there's another, he plays a recurring character on Gilmore Girls who is also not necessarily an asshole per se. He's very pretentious because he's, mm. he's the head of the paper at Yale, the Yale Daily News. Why, how could you not be pretentious with a... Right, with a position like that. His name is Danny Strong. Danny Strong. Mm-hmm. Right. So he is also in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He plays Jonathan. So we have uh, we are, this this season for some reason they're just one right after the other. Just get all the Buffy people in, I guess. I don't know if they had like a joint, like a one of those like Disney Channel crossover kind of deals with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Wow. But here we go. Three, two, one. Sean is out on a date with Dana Pruitt. They're making out. Uh, he's like, let's just continue doing this. She's like, no, why don't we go somewhere and talk? Uh, she decides she doesn't really want to see him af- anymore after he just wants to be physical. She wants to go out on a date with Corey. They go out on a date. Sean wants to kill Corey for it. So Corey's like, wow, you must really like this girl. And um, Sean then decides that he's, or he talks to Tr- Turner and Turner says that what women really want is to be listened to. And he has to um, kind of get over this bad boy persona that he has. And I'm already out of time. Am I already yeah, out you're of time? Really- yeah, you you bumbled around in the middle of that trying to get to the Turner part. It kind of thirty seconds is up. so fast. <laughs> that felt so it is fast. 
It's all right. We get the gist. Well, but then Eric also um, is applying to be an intern at the news station and gets it mm-hmm. because he ends up talking to the studio manager and that's important and i didn't even talk about that i do want want to point out for anyone who's listening to the episode but not re-watching the eric news internship is like a two-parter this he's the b plot of this Mm -hmm. episode but it becomes the a plot of i think the next one um so so this is just him getting the internship this isn't the episode where he turns 18 and alan gets pissed off at him and and so on and so forth it's not that part we have that to look forward Uh, to we do. This is this. Eric is the B plot. Sean is the A plot. Corey is a lovable goof supporting <laughs> role in this, which are some of my favorite yes. Corys. You know, when he just gets to play goofball supporting That's in the true. back. Tell me about your lessons learned, Megan. So I feel like my lessons almost Blame. contradict each other. What'd you say? I was nothing. Go ahead. Say it oh. again. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my lessons almost contradict each other a little bit because I kind of got. A couple different, or I, I found a couple different avenues that we could take for this episode. But my biggest one, I my biggest takeaway, I think, is that actions speak louder than words in both senses. Meaning, Sean at the end has to Turner instructs Sean to show Dana that he has been listening or that he wants to listen and he wants to be that guy for her. And so he goes and obviously sets up this big picnic, makes this big romantic gesture. But also in, a, in the other sense, when Sean is parading around school as this big flirt and this guy who is only interested in kissing and is kind of kissing everything with lips in the school, then obviously he has now this reputation based upon his actions because actions speak louder than words. However, I do agree with... Corey in the moment when he says, should we just judge him based on his reputation and not give him any, you know, room to grow or to prove himself? Because I do think that we should give people, I think we talked about this. It might've been the last episode. It was one of the two last episodes where we talked about giving people a platform to uh, express themselves effectively and give them room to grow, you know, and uh, speaking in terms of like Frankie and I, I, I still believe that. And I think it kind of applies in this situation as well, because whereas, yes, his, his reputation precedes him and his actions have spoken louder than his words until this point, she should, if, if she's willing to let herself give him a chance and open herself up to him, um, if he's really serious about changing. It's kind of hard with teenagers because... I'm not sure if teenagers are really capable of comprehending such a big change. That sounds very ageist, but it's Mm. when this was going through and all of that, um, they were talking about like, well, I'm the nice guy and you're kind of the fast guy and this and this and this and blah, blah, blah. And so they kind of have such a black and white image of, of these things that I think as we evolve as people, we grow out of that and we see that there are gray areas to everything. But right now, since they're only 13, I think they're only seeing kind of the black and white of this situation. Well, so. and I'll, I'll jump into that and, and submit that it's not even just a teenager thing. I would say that you're mm, not your whole life, but you'll spend a good deal of life growing and changing, ideally. And, and it is really hard to see that ahead it's Mm -hmm. it's really easy to see the changes that you have 
once they happened, but it's even hard to recognize them as they happen. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think, you know, like teenagers are at one, like they're, they're going to (laughs) change a lot as humans and, and on like a daily basis almost, you know, which is, which is biologically and psychologically normal and fine, which is why it's also a terrible time to be alive Um, (laughs) (laughs) because your, your sense of self is wildly inconsistent from day to day. But it's it's also tremendously difficult when your sense of self personally shifts every day, but everyone else's perception of you does not. Correct. You know, and and the way other people see you, well, no matter how hard you try, will in fact inform your own sense of self. But yes, I think it's interesting that like you know, as a teenager, you're going to change every fucking day, but your your reputation will not get that same metamorphosis and leads to a a just really difficult state of being where you are constantly at a war of consciousness Mm -hmm. with how you're perceived and how you feel and how one informs the other yeah so anyway that's what i learned (laughs) (laughs) i think it's interesting well i think it also i think it also uh relates kind of to to eric's plot in that this idea of eric is trying to be who he thinks he who everyone thinks he is and who he should be. And he's trying to overcome his reputation Mm -hmm. uh, because he's making a real effort that is different from his history. And that's not that, that that to me, this episode says a lot about the lesson for me between both the A plot and B plot is how hard it is to work over a reputation and a history that you've created for like one that you've created and two that you've embraced. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Eric and Sean are both in this episode trying to overcome a reputation that they have historically been proud of or mm-hmm. at least presented themselves as proud of where we, we know that they don't like how they're seen, but they don't know how to do anything else with it. And so they've presented uh, an embrace of these reputations. And now that it's kind of come to bit them both in the ass mm-hmm. uh, and it's getting in their way a little bit. They're realizing that they maybe want to be more than these, these reputations. And so I think this episode says a lot about how hard it is to change how people see you, especially if you have embraced that vision. Yeah. You know, if, if everyone sees me in one way, but I've never indicated that I am either comfortable or that I see myself that way, then it's easier for me to get past that reputation if I've never given into it really, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it says a lot about just kind of paying close attention to what you allow your reputation to be and what elements of that, that you embrace and that it's going to be really hard to change people's minds once they've fully cemented an opinion of you that you've like given the thumbs up to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And that goes for you too. You know, like they, the two of them, not even, not even just changing other people's minds. They have a hard time changing their own minds and opinions of themselves. You know, like they, they can't even convince themselves necessarily that they are not this, this groundwork that they laid for themselves. And this is something that we see Sean constantly struggling with because he is constantly saying, Oh, I'm trailer trash. I'm, I'm, this is my destiny. This is what I'm, supposed to be and i feel like this is the first time that we're seeing sort of a flip in him in in sean and in Corey, where Corey is talking about 
how he's the safe guy as almost a good thing when mm-hmm. he's typically like, I don't want to be seen as safe. I want to be seen as dangerous and blah, blah, blah. And Sean is actually the one who's like, I don't like the fact that I have this reputation mm-hmm. now. That's an interesting point. Yeah. yeah. We're often facing Corey's identity crisis about being too nice. And now this is Sean's identity crisis about not being nice enough. Yes. That's a really interesting point. And Sean is constantly just pigeonholing himself by saying like, this is who I am. This is what, this is why I am the way I am. These are the girls that I'm supposed to be dating. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think mm-hmm. that, it's it is probably external forces telling him this is your lot in life and you just need to live with it you know and and in that same vein i am so much more interested in witnessing every time every episode that sean comes to a crossroads of like his lot in life versus his other choices that he could make Mm -hmm. because like it happens you know plenty of times this is at least to the third time we've seen this probably more and and then i i compare that to how annoyed i get every time we do a Corey isn't dangerous enough episode you mm-hmm. know yeah because um, we have several of those and every time we do one of those i'm like oh fuck Again? yeah um, <laughs> and and i think the big difference is we are viewing every time we do one of these with sean it's not it's not the same in that we've we've seen what it means in terms of his behavior and friends. We've seen what it means in terms of his education. We've seen what it means in terms of his romantic relationships now. Like we see it through different lenses of shirking the trailer trash label. Yeah. And and we see how that hurdle presents itself in different endeavors in his life. Whereas I feel like we're constantly watching Corey not be dangerous enough for his social life. And it's always that, you know, like there's nothing more to it. It's always like no one thinks I'm cool. Eh. And it's always the same part of that because there is no more to that, you know, (laughs) there's there's no further to go with that one really. Um, Whereas with this born into a low income family, living in a trailer, being surrounded by upper middle class kids uh, that think less of you. And there are all kinds of different individual barriers. You know, we're going to see it again with whether or not Sean should go to college. That's a completely different barrier. Yep. What kind of girls he should date, what kind of friends he should hang out with, mm-hmm. what kind of interest he should actually take in academics. Like it, it presents so many different kinds of barriers mm-hmm. as opposed to like, wham, no one thinks I'm cool. Fuck off, Corey. Right. <laughs> they, there's a, a line in the beginning when Corey comes down, he's like, Sean, I'm upset. And Sean goes, you're always upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, yep, that, that rings pretty true throughout the yeah, yeah, throughout yeah. the series. It's so funny pretty that often. he pointed that out. Also, uh, we did get to hear from Hillary again this week, so I'll go ahead and play that clip. But she made a good point about Sean being physical in relationships, and maybe it's because he's missing some of that physical affection at home. And also, it might be because he's lacking in self-confidence. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so with Sean and Dana... I think it's interesting that kind of towards the beginning of the episode, we see that they really just don't have a lot in common. You know, Dana's throwing out all these different ideas of things to do together. And Sean really just doesn't want to do any of them. He just wants to uh, get back to kissing. And I think it's interesting that Sean really emphasizes the physical aspect of the relationship perhaps maybe as a sign of something that he doesn't get at home maybe he's getting very little affection 
at his home and especially, you know, since his parents are in and out. So it's probably something I feel like he's just searching for in his life. I also wonder if it's like a self-confidence issue because uh, I know personally just in my experience when I was in high school and college I didn't really have that great self-esteem and so when I was in relationships I did the same thing where I would prioritize the physical kind of more over the emotional and like looking back I'm like wow I really didn't have anything really in common with these guys but you know when you have self-esteem and everything you don't always make the best choices so anyway that's just a fun fact about me but that just kind of was my thought process when relating this uh, back to Sean and this perhaps lack of affection. I would say I, I would agree with that in the, it, it, it might be a little bit of a lack of physical affection at home, but I think it's, it, it's even more the self-conscious thing because he gets that physical affirmation from girls at school that show him that he's hot and he's admired and he's, <laughs> He's sought after. People want him. They they desire him. And that's something that he hasn't experienced yet at home because his, his mm. mom keeps running out and his dad's running out over to get his mom. So it's something that he just doesn't have at home. So I would have to agree that it's probably uh, it might tie into a physical affection, but I think it is more so self-confidence and just something that he's lacking in his home life. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and it's not as if he has any sort of um, strong examples of other ways to present himself in a romantic relationship. Absolutely. Core is the other. Especially when we assume that most of his ideation of what these relationships should look like are very likely coming from movies, TV, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know, probably porn. Like Sure. You know, if we were if we were to assume, I guess in the '90s it would be mostly like magazines, not not, not internet video, pornography. Yeah. But um, but that's all all Sean could possibly infer from any of that about like how a relationship looks is you know that's that's what it's going to look like. Yeah, and, and then he has the whether, opposite. Whether he knows it or not. Yeah, we have the opposite side of the spectrum too, where he sees what Corey and Topanga has, and he sees the monotony, and he sees that they need to get out and go explore. And we just witnessed this entire episode where it was just the mundane, this mundane mm-hmm. relationship that Sean I'm sure looks at and is like, I do not want that at all. So he's avoiding that at all costs while consuming media and unhealthy relationship information and all of this other stuff. So he's getting a, a, a bad vibe from uh, what we would consider kind of a stable relationship. And then, all this other stuff is flowing into him. But yeah, I just thought I, that was interesting. Thank you, uh, Hillary, yeah. for bringing that up. Thank you. I would love to talk real briefly about Topanga's Ugh. read on Sean and then some things in this episode that, I don't know, just interesting things to like point attention to. Yes. Um, there was a TikTok the other day that I saw that was um, basically comparing Topanga to Gen Z teen- teenagers. <laughs> It was specifically using her like season one uh, when she's the president oh, yes. of America bit. And it was like using that dialogue comparing her to Gen Z that I thought was really funny and interesting. And I'm like, you're you're absolutely right. If Topanga were like active right now at, you know, as a teenager right now, she would be like a 
social justice informant Absolutely. on TikTok. <laughs> she she would have been one of the humans that used TikTok to fake the attendance numbers for Trump's social rally before. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, love her read in this. It's com- the delivery is great. The lines are great. The reaction from Sean is great. Mm-hmm. It's it is a beautiful, beautiful moment that I don't remember enough. It, it, when I watched it, I was like, oh, shit, I did not remember this part, but this is gold. <laughs> I vaguely remembered it. Like, as soon as she came over and sat down and she was like, you can't handle the truth. I was like, oh, yeah, she's about to really, like, spill some tea right now. Mm. But I think the biggest thing for me was, like, before she sat down, they were having this conversation. And I, I was like, I don't like how they're talking about girls right now these young Mm. girls where they're like calling them sexy and they're saying like they're you know flashy and and that kind of thing and they're 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 polarizing them into these are the kinds of girls that are like fast and flashy and whatever and these Mm -hmm. are the nice girls and there's no in between and again right there's nice girls and there's girls that fuck and that's apparently it (laughs) correct they're very much like polarizing like nice girls fast girls and I didn't even say that. there's girls that do fuck and girls that don't fuck apparently. And, yeah, well, and, <laughs> <That's it. laughs> and they, and obviously there's an implication of like, if, if the flashy girls, they're bad, they're not good. They're whatever mm-hmm. they're, those aren't the girls that are worthwhile or wife right. material. They're, or they're synonymous material. with, they're synonymous with trash. Correct. Which is, which is a shitty opinion to have on. Yes. <laughs> so I appreciate that Topanga comes in and, and does read Sean for filth and also is and kind of negates that conversation by saying, you don't understand women. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you think that you do, you've been sitting here having this misogynistic conversation. She comes over, sits down and she's like, no, that's mm-hmm. all wrong. And mm-hmm. here's the truth. And so I yep. definitely appreciate the fact that she does that. Well, I think Turner really, you know, hits at home Topanga is the one who lays the groundwork for the yeah. lesson to be learned because she's the only one who's really being honest with Sean. And she's also the only woman to speak up in this episode about this kind of stuff. Cause Dana mm-hmm. is just kind of pussyfooting around the issue and trying to be kind of courteous to Sean's feelings. She does. She plays too nice with his feelings. Mm-hmm. And- and does him a disservice in the process by not being straight up about it. Incredibly. And also going out with Corey. That is kind of shitty. Yes. there. I'm sure there are other guys who are considered, I have air quotes right now, nice in mm. John Adams. You have to pick his best friend when you when he has already said that he likes you. Like, why would you? Why? Why, why is that necessary? So... Anyway, she, I, I think, think she it's... does do him a big disservice here in Topanga mm-hmm. is, is I appreciate the woman's opinion and that she kind of really digs into him and, and doesn't hold back. I think it's interesting that like at no point in this episode, other than like he clearly doesn't understand what he's discussing, but at no point does he really like uh, treat Dana poorly. Correct. You know, like mm-hmm. he I'm not going to pretend that he's exceptional either. But he it doesn't exactly exhibit like shitty behavior towards her. Correct. He, it's entirely about what she believes to be true of him based on his reputation, which like she's not wrong necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's it's telling that he at no point like is really shitty towards her towards her. Yes. Um growth. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're seeing a, some growth. <laughs> it's a mild step in the right direction. 
the I, the I, a couple of things that I want to like just kind of call out and point attention to in this episode the door to uh, the, yep. the hallway door is Feeney's office right yeah I, I I take issue Sarah pointed this out while we were watching it actually that um when she when Dana leaves Chubby's and Sean's out there with the picnic she's like what are you doing it's the middle of winter like she's the one that proposed the idea of a picnic. Yes. Um, Correct. <laughs> initially, Sarah pointed that out. She's like, what the hell is she? <laughs> she's the one that brought it up. And then they just <laughs> leave right. the she picnic. Did. And then they just leave the goddamn picnic. I was there. so, I, I was watching this they with Jamie. They walk inside and I was the like, Gubbies and it just sits there. Are they just going to leave it there like permanently? <sighs> that is littering. That is littering, people. Unacceptable. It's a decent picnic blanket. A decent, th- I mean, it's not a decent thermos because the soup freezes. So it's, Obviously, right, not sucks. A decent thermos. But he got um, the basket. He purchased the basket clearly for this, and he doesn't want to. I don't know. Keep it. All you have to do is put it all inside the basket. Take it inside Chubby's. Like it. I don't I understand. I don't understand. Yeah. And then the the TV crew coming to the house for coffee at the end is like it's just a stupid fun little bit. Yes. You know, like i don't know why they felt the need to include that as the tag but it's a good time right also turner's fucking cooking again i, I was gonna say that <laughs> i was gonna say that i, I, I literally have a note that says again preparing food in turner's apartment always preparing food yes that's he i don't know why possibly be doing anything else while he imparts wisdom he always is like chopping a fuck and this one he's snapping string peas mm-hmm. damn it i don't i don't get it maybe why is it's always- symbolic of like food for thought. Oh fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> it's like having the mom character always folding laundry, right? which they do to Amy a lot. <laughs> yeah, they do. That oh. was like my fundamentals of directing class. It was like stage business is always more interesting than people just talking. So give them something to be doing, so that way they can emote through their business. Mm-hmm. And it was like great. They're always folding laundry. Yep, always I do love business. Don't get me wrong. I love being on stage love and having business. Too, but I'm but so fucking tired of seeing Amy fold laundry and Turner preparing dinner. <laughs> yes, it's the same thing over and over and over. Let's find something. Let's find some other fucking business. Can, right? I don't know. Can Turner be? Now I can't think of a fucking example. Can Turner be folding laundry? Maybe. Right. <laughs> and he could be, or like reading. Why is he? Well, he's an English teacher. Why are we never seeing reading, grading papers? Ah, grading papers. That would be some good business. Right. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's also interesting. That would make an interesting plot line. An episode where like Turner brings home papers to grade and like Sean like sneaks his paper to try to change it or some shit. That would have been a good episode. Yeah. I mean, we kind of get that with the whole pop quiz episode. It's kind of similar. But it's, I mean, it's a little similar to that. But it could have been. We could have dug into that like, a that's all, more, I feel all, like. all fucking grade school teachers, like in, a middle school English teacher, a high school English teacher. All they do when they go home is grade mm-hmm. papers. Oh, I have a question. What exactly would you define is the topic of the essay that Feeney assigns? Because oh. it was very vague and I was left wondering like what so are we are they supposed to just be writing a paper on their impression of JFK like or is it is it the man I, versus woman is it a reputation paper what what are we sure. what are we aiming for here? And he says it right as they're the- leaving. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the if I had to infer the topic of that essay, it would be an argumentative essay, just uh, either defending or attacking JFK based on whether his reputation with women made him less of a leader and mm-hmm. less of a less of a decent, like less of a less of a respectable. 
uh, person in power. Okay. Okay. Um, which I think is a a great essay to assign. Yes. To a bunch of a bunch of students, and B, I'm going to let everybody know that I would argue that it does make him a less respectable person. I 100, <laughs> a thousand percent agree with that. Yes. Do I also still wonder pretty regularly what America would look like if JFK hadn't been assassinated? Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder about that pretty frequently because I do think that is a tremendous turning point in modern American history. I agree. Uh, in that the entirety of our current government and society could look different if he had not been assassinated. Mm. Um, well, I'm not going to say better. I'm going to say different. Yes. I, yeah. I think it'd probably be better, it's, but I'm going to say it's, different. It's, it's just hard to say because, you know, he's gone. So we can never really know. Yeah, we can't know for sure, but RIP. it is, it is a really interesting moment in modern American history because it definitely marks a political shift. Um, so that's what I think the, the topic of essay is, which I think is a great essay, but I also think it is a hard essay to write in one night. Correct. <laughs> I'm like, I hope that you're only expecting like 200 words out of these kids because mm -hmm. this cannot be like a, 2000 word essay that they are doing in one night <laughs> yeah i mean they don't even have a fucking computer at home to do the research like they had to go to the library right <laughs> so, this again it's it seems like a it needed to be more defined because then he's going to get papers that are all like specific of like jfk did this in 1960 whatever or it's going to be like well i think that this happened and in my opinion i blah 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 so i feel i just mm. they should have been laid out but whatever it's television i get it i get it <laughs> So Eric's B plot is great and I love it. And Will Friedle is just he every line that comes out of his mouth, I believe. He is so good at being goofy and funny and being just like happy go lucky Eric. And then as soon as he's saying things that are meaningful, he brings it down to a level where it's so real that I I had to make a note of it because Will Friedle is just so arguably the most uh well other than bill daniels i'm gonna say kid arguably will friedel is the most talented kid on the show i would support that statement mm -hmm. i think he's great and it, i love the oh, yeah. b plot and i like that it's gonna take center stage in the next episode mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a great one i'm very excited about it alan finally gets to like say words again besides yes. like one sentence beside you know. morgan go to your room <laughs> yeah right Anyway. I'm I'm kind of I don't know I don't I don't feel like I have much else. Do you? Not really. I uh, was just gonna make a little note about how Corey says that he has breakfast with Janitor Bud because oh yeah he owes him and I was like yeah yeah you do owe Janitor Bud I was like you got him mm -hmm. fired you do owe him they still call him Janitor Bud yeah I know it's got to just be one of those things where now it's stuck and it's not mm -hmm. going anywhere anytime soon. Um, also, the last little thing that I have is Sean talks about the sexy penmanship with the hearts over the eyes. And I was like, that's that's way too time consuming. No one actually does that. If you're in class and trying to jot down notes really quickly before you the teacher is done finishing their sentence, then you're not going to put hearts over the eyes because that's just way too time consuming. That's just my little note about that. I agree with that. Also... Yeah. Too long. Yeah. Way too long. But that's pretty much it for me. I think that, yeah, we pretty much got through all my notes. Who's your MVP? Oh, yeah. We didn't say those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my MVP is Topanga. Yes. I yeah. agree. 
I mean, how can she not? Right. She like she's there for like two minutes, but like what a what a standout moment. The, you know, she's she's the the King George of this episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. The only other person I feel like you could rally for would be Turner, but mm-hmm. I don't like him and Eli at the beginning berating Eric. Yeah, I'm kind of like, how are, how do you it. expect him to grow if you just Right, like, they're yeah. not helping. Well, Turner gives this big profound thing about like you have to listen and whatever and I'm like, you're not giving Eric the same credit that you are telling Sean to give women and mm-hmm. I don't think that's okay, especially being his teacher, so. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, it's Topanga. Yeah, it's Topanga. It's pretty unanimous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's great. Yeah. Always, but specifically oh, in this episode. Of course. Kills it. Well, thanks for listening, y'all. We really appreciate you uh, joining us yeah. again. Good fan favorites, especially coming up. We got Eric. We got Disney World. Ooh, yes. can't wait for Disney World. Yes. Um, very excited. So thanks for listening, y'all. Go ahead, send us a message if you'd like. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at the Feeny Call uh, podcast and all those places. Tell your friends if you're enjoying what you're hearing. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you. Keep sticking with us. We are... I don't know. Are we over halfway through the series now? I think that the end, because we have seasons one, two, three, and that's a bulk, and then four, five, six. So I guess it would be somewhere between would... four. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle of four would be halfway. I don't In my mind, I was thinking somewhere in the middle of three was halfway, but that's not true. It's somewhere well, in the middle of four. Try to math better next time. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that's, my, that. that's my parting wisdom for you. Math, math better. better. All right. Thanks, y'all. Everyone, math better and uh, class dismissed.